0: We are in Jude chapter, well, there's only one chapter, Jude verses 1 through 4. We started this last week. We're going to finish verses 3 and 4 today. Uh, I'll read the text here in in the NIV, then we'll uh, go through uh, the notes and look at a few things. Uh, Jude, verse 1, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ, Again, three things there, the, the past, the, the present, and the future, and it's all the work of God. It's describing the work that God has done. He, God has called, God has loved, and Christ has kept, or they're kept for Jesus Christ. Uh, then here's the prayer, or the blessing, just like a typical Greek letter. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. And all three of those are going to be important for the climate they're living in. They're living in a climate that has got great apostasy. So, mercy, peace, love be yours in abundance. Uh, Chapter, or verse 3. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Now, that's the purpose of the letter. my, My original purpose was to write about salvation and talk about the salvation that we share but I realize that that is under attack in your group, in your culture, in your church, in your community. Uh, the message of that salvation is under attack. And before we start talking about how great a salvation is, we better make sure we protect the message of this salvation. Otherwise, all is lost. And now here it is. what is it? He's addressed the saints. Now he's going to address the enemy or the opposition, and that is certain people. Now, now this is what's caused the his reversal from going from writing about the salvation to saying we need to defend or contend for the message of the salvation in verse four for certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you they are godless men who change the grace of our god into a license for immorality and deny jesus christ our only sovereign and lord uh and again, just looking at verse five, it's kind of interesting, though you already know all this, or it could be read although, although you once knew this, I want to remind you again he's going to re- begin reviewing some things so he's he's going to be uh, just like Peter, uh, as long as I remain in the tent of this body i 'm going to remind you of these things. He begins right here i'm not telling you anything you don't know, or at least I'm not going to tell you anything you haven't already known you may have drifted away. Hebrews talks about drifting away. These people may have drifted away from their understanding. You, you knew these things. I'm going to tell you nothing new. I've just got to remind you, this is the message, which again, you have that cycling of, of the information, which makes it very easy to be a Bible teacher. It's like, what is your goal? You just recycle, keep recycling the information. It's like, well, what are you going to talk about this week? Uh, just the same thing? Just going kind to of recycle? And some of you say, I know. Re- week after week, you just keep repeating. It. We already cover this. <laughs> I know the feeling. But it's like, but the idea is there's no new material. There's no clever way of saying it. You just keep going right over it. Jude's doing it here because it's under attack. Peter, that's what his, he ends his ministry saying, I'm going to just continue to remind you of these things as long as I remain in the tent of the body. So there's the issue. If you look on page one of the notes... Uh, you've got the English Standard Version translation, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. we spent time talking about that. Again, the idea of a servant of Jesus Christ uh, gives the impression that he is uh, owned, he is working for Jesus Christ and not just in a slave capacity, but... Uh, a servant of of jesus christ would be i'm backed up by jesus christ i just like an ambassador speaking for the the country or the king or the president he is just like an apostle he's not like this lowly you know dirt poor servant uh he is a servant here on jesus isn't going to be here to speak he sent me to speak is what james is saying so that's that's an honorable place to be and brother of james which gives him Credibility in the Christian community because James was the leader of the church in, in Jerusalem. Uh, page two, uh, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. And uh, those are three words. And I think what we see here is God's work. Uh, and again, we began talking about this last week, called, uh, beloved, the focus being on loved or covenant and then kept. And that's, we mentioned last week, called, meaning they've got to invite you, call you. Uh, That's something that's going to take place in the past because you've heard the call, you've responded. Beloved, that is talking about your current condition. And in the Old Testament, when it talks about the love God had for Israel, it's always referring to the covenant, not this emotional connection, although there would be emotion involved in it. It's, it's, it's a covenant <clears throat> that he will not forsake. And so in this new covenant, in Jesus Christ, we are in this covenant. You are beloved, not because you're a good person or God has—you know, has, has, thinks you're so special. It's you are in his son, which means you're in the new covenant, which because of your position makes you special, if that makes sense. There's a lot of what we'd say special people, great people, entertaining people, fun people, friends that we've got that we'd say, you know, we love them, but they've rejected Christ. They're outside the covenant, so they are not loved. Well, there were, I mean, they're great people, yeah, right, but they're outside the covenant. They're not in this covenant. So focus on that. Don't think about, oh, he loves me because I'm this or I'm that. He loves you because you're in the covenant. He's going to be faithful to you, not because of who you are, but the covenant you're in. And then, again, the word kept, kept for or kept by Jesus Christ. So if God is doing this, he's keeping you, protecting you, preserving your salvation for Jesus Christ because you are the church. Or you could say Jesus Christ as he's praying for us, talks about him praying for us, he's interceding for us, he died for us he may be the object that is doing the work of keeping us for himself. So again, it could be by, kept by Jesus, or kept for Jesus. But all these are things God is doing. And, and that's important to start this letter off because that's the confidence. You have been called, you're in a covenant, you're loved by God, and you're being kept. Past, present, future, there's no, there's no room for error. You're, you're there, you're, you're in. Now we're gonna be talking about the uh, uh apostates those that are outside the faith and the question is going to come up and again don't i'm going to give you an answer or tell you what i think and you don't don't want to just accept it but kind of watch the letter if you are in this group if you are a believer that he's addressing here in this group in this church you've been called you're in the covenant and you're being kept the message of the letter can't be Be careful or else you're going to follow the deception and lose your salvation. Well, what about being called, beloved, and I'm kept by Jesus Christ? That means all of a sudden these false teachers are more powerful than Jesus keeping me or God the Father keeping me for Jesus. You've got all the power of of the deity keeping me after having entered me into a covenant, having called me. And then I follow some false teaching. It's like, well, there you blew it now you you're back to being damned you're back going to hell it's like nice try by god but he couldn't keep you it's like so you understand the point of the letter can't be look out you're going to lose your salvation i think the letter here and i'm going to i'm going to try to make it clear today is there are people that have drifted in among you that don't have a clue they don't they don't have the they don't they do not understand the gospel uh and probably because the Spirit hasn't revealed it to them, or they haven't responded to the call. Now, you can get into that Calvinism or Armenian, however. They they haven't been called, or if they were called, they didn't respond, and so the Spirit didn't come to them. They haven't received the Spirit. So they're looking at this community of Christians. They're looking at this group of believers, this whole institution. It's like, yeah, I'd like to join. But they, they do not understand the higher level of we've been transformed into the kingdom of God. Oh, I just see you having some friends and hanging out and doing some good things. And it's like, and you're, you're, you're spiritual, you know, you pray. Uh, yeah, we'd like to be part of you. It's like, and pretty soon they don't, they're not in- engaging sometimes because of their personality. They end up being leaders or teachers, but they're explaining the things of God well, they're gonna, Jews are going to use terms like, like brute beast. I mean, they're nothing more like, they're like an animal. They're trying to explain the human experience with God from the position of a penguin. It, it, it's like they, they don't understand. And so it's not like they are saved and they're losing their salvation. They've come in, never went through the transformation process, and they're living with you, speaking with you, and they're explaining it and leading you away from the faith because they don't even understand it so there is in a sense an, an air of sympathy about this And that you see that at the end of the book when he talks about there's three ways of responding to these people you know snatching some from the fire warning others uh, but it's not like it's not like these are the christians who have left these are unbelievers that have come in and you you don't know i mean it, it could be one of us it could be me i'm the one talking that it's like you never really understood salvation, and now I'm talking about it. And now again, you should be able to see the, the distinction because your, your teaching would lead you into a different different lifestyle. But these are the people that are secure, but they're being warned about those that have secretly come in, and they don't necessarily wear badges, you know, that says, you know, who, you know, who's a believer, who's not a believer. You can have someone come in, and you, you can think about it. You, you've, you've seen it in your life. People that, they come in, And you can act like a Christian. You can go through the motions. Heck, you can get baptized. You know, you can can go through confirmation. You can go to seminary. You can be a Bible teacher. You can do all these things. But you're always going to have to take all this information, this whole experience, and reduce it from this higher level of understanding to something common, something that you can deal with. And so we talk about the joy of the Lord. For example, that's gonna to have to end up being some happiness down here. Or having this freedom in Christ will have to be some kind of you know, freedom down here. It's a, it's a lower level. And so there is gonna be, in a sense, this book is condemning those people, but yet there's a sense of sympathy for them because they've never crossed over. And you don't know what the warning is, you don't know who they are. Listen to what they're saying, watch how they're acting. And they're not, going to, they're not going to cause you to lose your salvation, but they are going to damage your You're not going to grow. You're going to end up being stunted in your growth. Now, do you understand what I'm saying? I think these people are saved, and I think they're saved eternally. And I think the people that have come in, that have crept in, aren't Christian believers that have fallen. They're people that have come out of the pagan society, joined their numbers, went through the motions, and that's why it talks about them being there stealth or secretly. They've, they've come in there. You don't know who they are, but watch what they're doing and where they're, what they're teaching and where they're taking you. That's not the faith. And so this, again, I think is, is, do you understand what I'm saying? This is, again, describing the security of them. So I don't think this letter is a warning about believers. Uh, don't lose your salvation. It's a matter of contending what he starts right there. Uh, the book already says, contending for the faith, contending for the faith, and that's where we see right here, turn to page three, uh, the next verse, cha- cha- Jude chapter, or verse two. Oh, I, I was going to read these, I, I was going to do it last week, too, the bottom of page two, there's verses from Isaiah, from the servant's song, and it kind of picks up, some of the things kind of pick up with that, I am the Lord, I've called you in righteousness, I will take you by the the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. And just kind of talks about God calling, keeping and protecting uh, in, in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel. Then in the point E on the top of page three, the church clearly has become the chosen of God. Those are being chosen out of all nations, not neglecting or replacing Israel, but Being called from the nations. And that's, you can see there, the called of God in Romans 9, Galatians 5, all the way through there. Um, Now, Jude verse 2, this is the prayer mercy, great peace, and love. Mercy, peace, and love is going to be wished upon them or multiplied to you, and that would be a greeting from God one thing that's not in here that's in almost every letter I think there's one other letter that doesn't begin with the word grace grace to you and that could be because that is replaced with mercy but grace is not mentioned in here now it's going to be the one of the themes of the book but these are the words that jude uses is mercy peace and love be yours and you can see right here uh mercy is to sustain them they're in a time of great apostasy so they're going to need mercy to sustain them and again just think about where you're at in your culture uh if someone were to look at you where you're at and where you're heading as a society one thing that you'd want them to pray for you is mercy god have mercy on your soul you're going into the election season 2024 May God have mercy. Mercy, peace, and love. It's not like this is not like mercy, peace, and love. It's like, oh, mercy. for And because they're, they're in a crucial situation. Uh, and so, again, this is not all necessarily happiness, although there's great joy in this confidence. This is more like you're going to need mercy to get through what I'm going to write to you about, Jude saying. The next is peace, provides the calm assurance... Which is nice, and we all would like to have peace. Uh, We and Tony have talked about it. I'm sure you've talked to someone about it. I mean, what, what you know? You tell well, you know, we've had a good life. We've enjoyed America, Uh, but what about our children? What about our grandchildren? You think it's like what's all going to change? What about me in ten years? Here I am, happy living in West Des Moines. What's going to happen in the next ten years? It's like, well, peace, calm assurance. The one who called you the one who's keeping you he's got this so ha- have god have mercy have peace as these things you know even if even if you know even if culture itself doesn't deteriorate uh we're all growing old we're all going to need mercy peace even if you don't need it daily and then the last one love is the assurance of the believers of god's covenant and protection that this love again refers to covenant don't think again emotion but think of you are in love you're in a covenant called, chosen, kept by God, and this covenant is going, to be, is going to protect you. Now, when I say protect, we cannot say, I mean, God moves the way he wants to move, but we, this cannot protect you from uh, persecution because the, the apostles, the early church throughout church history, Christians today, are facing physical persecution. This protecting, this loving, the covenant, is going to, where you're at in Christ you're kept you're going to be protected and so this this love is is security the security of your soul you're going to get through this age you will be secure you're going to need peace considering what god is doing no matter what's going on have peace and may god have mercy on you and sustain you during these times and so that's that's the the prayer mercy peace and love be multiplied to you and that is again the the addressing of the people now verse 3 we get into this letter now verse 3 is going to identify uh, the purpose of the letter we've already just roughly addressed it and then begin verse 4 is going to begin addressing the problem and the purpose right here here it is uh, chapter or just Jude verse 3 top of page 4 beloved again Again, third time we've referred to that. Beloved, you are chosen by God. You are in Christ, being kept for Christ. You are in the covenant. There's no worry about you coming out of the covenant uh, if you're in the covenant, if you've accepted Christ. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So, you know, looking around the situation, everybody's a believer, everybody's growing in Christ. I wanted to write, you. I was eager to write you about what we have in Christ, where we're going, the great salvation or the common salvation that we have. But as I look around, there's some things that are giving indications that not everybody is in the program. Not everybody has this common salvation. In fact, the common salvation that we have is being called into question. It's like, Is that really what we believe? I mean, go back to the Garden of Eden. Did God really say, I'm going to celebrate this this great paradise that God has placed us in. Uh, This is all all the trees. This is where we live. Uh, Don't eat from that tree. Now, what, what? Now, let's question God's word. And pretty soon you're over here eating from the tree and the whole thing collapses. We have the same thing, this common salvation. We have faith in Christ. He set us free from our sin. We're, we're, we have fellowship with God the Father. We are dwelling, dwelled with the Holy Spirit. We're growing and maturing. Sin is not going to keep us out of the presence of God. It's like, right, we have this great freedom. It's now, you explain that to somebody uh, that doesn't know God. They, do, they haven't had these things revealed by the Spirit. They really haven't crossed over into the, into the, into the life. And you're going to talk about things like uh, forgiven. Uh, you're going to talk about freedom in Christ. You're going to talk about joy, uh, that God loves you. Now, we can these things, and you've got to watch yourself and judge your own self. Forgiven means your sins have been washed away. You're no longer guilty. But that is the idea. Forgiven, you can now resume forgiveness. You've been redeemed. You can reinstall and start growing with God. I think we understand that. But forgiven means, when I sin, God's not holding it against me? That's right. When you sin, God is not holding it against you. So you're saying sin really doesn't matter. Right. Sin doesn't matter. You're free to go to God. But if I continue in sin, it means I can enjoy a life of sin and not have to pay the price? No, no, no. No, that's not what we were saying. We're not talking about enjoying a life of sin. We're talking about you've been delivered from the life of death and darkness. I, I don't understand that. All I heard as a pagan, as an unbeliever, someone that's not been trans, all I heard was, We can sin and God's no longer angry with us. He just accepts us the way we are. We don't need to change. Now here, does this sound familiar? I mean, you're hearing this in pulpits today. Somewhere around the nation, they're preaching, God accepts you the way you are. God made you the way you are. You're fine the way you are. You don't need to change. God loves you. Oh, that is right there. You need to contend for the faith. That's not the message. You have been forgiven but you've been delivered from sin so you can grow in Christ, not forgiven like, what the heck? Let's just enjoy this. We can have a life of sin and not have to pay the price because God accepts. God made me the way I was or God made me the way I am. It's like, okay, God created you, but he didn't create you with the sin nature. You need to be delivered from this. Well, God made me sinful. So I guess I'll just embrace sinfulness because it brings glory to God. It's like, Wait, wait, no, no, that's, that's, that's clearly someone trying to explain the gospel who hasn't been transformed by the gospel. Or freedom. We're free. We don't have to follow a law. We don't have to do a bunch of works to earn our salvation. You're free. Free, free to do whatever I want. No. Joy. God wants you to have the joy of the Lord. Well, you know what really brings me joy? Then you describe this party sinful atmosphere this is the party life or whatever you want to describe this brings me joy it's like god wants you to be happy and fulfilled well this it's like no or loves me meaning he'll never say anything against me never correct me the whole christian experience is god rebuking you leading you closer to him the holy spirit was sent to to convict you of sin and to lead you to Christ. Well, if you don't understand that, you're going to use all these things, and the Christian faith is being called, faith meaning what it stands for, is being called into question. And you can get to the place where you can go to, in this culture, you could go to a Christian gathering, hear the message by these false uh, teachers. Who are trying to explain the Christian message that James and John and Paul and Peter explained, but they've never really experienced it, so now they're explaining it, and you walk out with the Christian, you, okay, with the Christian faith being gone. It's it's no longer there. You can't get saved there because they're not even talking about your sin. Can you imagine a church today? Can you imagine an entire denomination today that they have basically? unplugged themselves separated themselves from the truth they have left the faith it's like well they're christian well they've got the cross they've got the sun they may not even have a cross they do. They've got like a rainbow flag draped over it but it's like whatever it's like they've left they're still meeting but it's like they have fallen into the false teaching they did not contend for the faith and that's the importance of coming back to the word so let's go back to this here we go uh Chapter, or page four, top of the page. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about the common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, we've, once for all, it, we've received it. Uh, some b- bullet points going down to page four. Uh, this is the purpose of the letter. Jude was eager to write uh, a more instructional, encouraging letter about the, the salvation uh, but their, their current position where they're at, the contemporary issue, point three, that they were facing means, I don't have time to talk about our salvation as, as how we're growing. You need to get back and start sifting through your doctrines and start identifying the people that are, are not with you. They're, they're not teaching the truth. And he's gonna tell you how to deal with them later, warn some of them, pull some of them out of the fire. But there's some that it's like, you need to separate the, the, the weeds from the wheat and get back on this point of truth. Point four: the loss of the knowledge, understanding doctrine, the loss of knowledge, or the loss of understanding, or the loss of the doctrine of the Christian faith, would lead to the loss of ethics, morals, goodness and the fruits of the Christian truth. I think this letter is talking about uh, more moral issues. He is not, like Galatians, the issue is clearly a doctrinal issue. They're go- they've left the freedom in Christ and replaced it with the law of Moses, and they're starting to follow this bad doctrine, which is going to, bad doctrine leads to bad character. This issue seems to have bypassed already the doctrinal, doctrinal, the doctrinal issue here seems to have already been bypassed, and they're clearly already here at this moral area where there's people living immorally among them and I meaning it's not hard to tell. I mean, okay, it's hard to tell. You can't just have people, you know, just look at them and say, oh, they look like a believer. There's a lot of people can look like a believer. Whatever your cultural standard for what a Christian looks like or a Christian acts like or what a Christian says and doesn't say, you, you can imitate that. I mean, all you got to do is go to a youth group. I mean, you got rooms full of kids that are imitating publicly and again, same thing you do in, in an adult church, you can do it anywhere, uh, imitating what they think the Christian persona should look like. Uh, but it can be imitated, but what's going to end up happening is without the truth, it's going to lead to the moral decline, and that's where these people are at, and to the place that they are actually justifying their behavior. And that's, a way we can see it today, churches justifying error not not doctrinal error they're past the doctrinal error the biggest doctrine they made was uh the word of god is not inspired uh and they end up creating their own doctrine and now they're going to end up having all these moral issues come up and nothing to do except accept them and then once they accept them is promote them and they're uh, you know doing absolutely the opposite that's where these people at they've already gone that far uh so point four, the loss of knowledge, understanding and the doctrine of Christian faith would lead to the loss of ethics, morals, goodness, and the fruits of the Christian truth. A, no fruit, or no truth equals no fruit. Corrupt doctrine equals corrupt lifestyle. Uh, no light means there's no work. If you have no light, you're not going to be doing the work. Uh, point five, it talks about the faith, contend for the faith, the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. I've got two references to that reference when it talks about the faith that we've said before, that is the doctrine of Christianity, the faith that was once for all delivered. Galatians chapter 1, verse 23, Paul says, they only were hearing it said, quote, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. At one time, Paul was trying to destroy the Christian faith. Once he met Christ, he's now preaching the faith. He's preaching the truth, the, the correct doctrines. Uh, 1 Timothy 4, one, using that same phrase, the faith. Now, the Spirit, Paul writes, expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Now, that's interesting because you could just say, well, these people just don't have the truth, and it's kind of like this neutral zone. They're just neutral pagans. you could go there but right here paul makes it very clear that the the when they depart from the faith it's going to be doctrines of demons it's going to be uh again some kind of demonic manifestations of of teaching again devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons and i don't know where you cross where you're neutral new how do you spell i'll just scribble some words here you're, you're in the faith, and then you leave the faith and kind of become neutral, kind of like, oh, I don't really believe the Bible. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, I think that's kind of harsh. You kind of make up your own. And when do you then slip into where you're actually following deceiving spirits and the doctrines of demons? Now, some, you can see very clearly. You can, you, if, if it's a, a video, if it's someone's teaching, uh, you can say, oh, my gosh, you know, there's demonic activity there. It's a doctrine of demons. But at what point do you cross from here into? Is it? Is there no bridge? Is there no gap? You're either in the in the truth, and once you cross that line, you're in the demonic teaching. I suppose, to some sense, it doesn't have to be like you know a, a blood sacrifice of a goat or something to be a demonic teaching. Uh, but there, you know, I wonder when when that break takes place. Nonetheless, that's the issue that Paul was saying: there's a day coming in the latter days, people will leave the faith and they'll start following doctrines of demons and deceiving spirits the book of Jude you've got to think they are here they're following, Jude doesn't address that but their, their teaching is so corrupt that he's trying to get them back to the faith so that the church is drifting this way and he's trying to get them, he said we've got to contend for this faith, that, that's the issue point six, the word contend, you can, see it, uh, you can see it in the Greek text right up there, I didn't put a square around it you can find it yourself but right there you can see it written out in, in the Greek and then the root word there, agap. Agon Agonizomia, and that's where we get the word agony from. Our word agony comes from that, which is a, a Greek word which means a strenuous struggle in competition. It, it's a word for uh the games, the the wrestling matches. Uh point A one there used to refer to a strenuous struggle seen in the Greek stadium of wrestlers in a wrestling match. It's used to refer to any conflict, like scripture or Greek writings, uses the word agonzomai Egon, to refer to any conflict, a contest, a debate, even a lawsuit. You've got, if it's your bodies rustling in the arena or the Colosseum, if it's your minds in a debate, or if it's a legal proceeding, of you've got one side arguing a case against another, it's a contest. Who's going to win? There's going to be a winner. There's going to be a loser. And it is it, where we get our word agony from. It's a struggle. It's not like, it's not like recreation. Now You may find like Tony and I run, you know, and uh, we, we like running. We feel good about ourselves when we run, but it, it's not like, whoa, I can't wait. Just get out and relax a little bit and run three miles. It, it, it's like, it's sometimes it's like agony. Older we get. Oh my gosh. You know, we well, used just, Oh, I, I could go on and talk about 40, 50 years of running, but anymore, it's like we run three miles. It's like, I don't want to walk the first mile and a half just to get, cause you get up in the morning. It's like, Oh, I can't even imagine getting out of bed. So I get out of bed. It's like, we're going to run first things when I'm going to run. And I, I'm having a hard time just standing up and I'm going to run three miles. So it's, I mean, it's not like, Oh, like we're going to go out on the boat or something. Or we're going to go sit in the hot tub. It's like, we're going to go run. It's, it's, agony. It's a contest. It's miserable. Yet we do it every day. Well, not today. We're going to mow the yard today. See, we're getting so old, are you going to run three miles or mow? Let's mow. Ah, that's close enough. Imagine that when you're in high school or college athlete. What do you do for workout day? Going to mow the yard. That's my workout today. I'm going to mow the yard. Nonetheless, okay, I'm way off subject. Sorry. Uh, The word agony, Right there. So contend, it means to have a contest and and compete in a contest. This is the ideal of an athlete or debater using their mental thought and their physical energy to prevail. So that is what he's saying. I'm writing to you, I I wanted to write to you about our salvation, but instead the situation, the crisis that we're in, I need to encourage you to contend. Get in the battle. It's going to be miserable. You're going to have debates. You're going to have arguments. You're going to have to contend for the faith because if you let this slip, you're going to lose the faith. You yourself may be saved, but you're not going to know how to grow. You're not going to know how to progress. And you're not going to have a second generation because you've lost the faith. You, you let it slide. So I mean I, I mean, I could scream from the housetops. If this generation or last generation should have been contending for the faith. I mean, arguing, debating, not just like, well, you know, Christians don't argue. Christians are a peaceful people. We don't want any conflict. It's like, that's what James said, or Jude says right here. Uh, I I need to write to you that you need to be peaceful with those that are undermining the faith. You know, don't cause any arguments. Don't cause any strife. Uh, They're totally uh, illegitimate teachers, but you know, there's room for everybody in the body of Christ. It's like, no, he's saying you need to get engaged. Otherwise, you're going to be down here like Paul taught, deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, is going to take over because they are competing. Say, so, well, Christians, I mean, what a, what a deception. We don't want to compete. The whole Christian life is a battle, it's a race, it's a conflict, it's a, it's a boxing match. The, the, the underworld knows this. But Christians just want this life of neutrality. We don't want to cause any commotion. It's like. That's that's how the church was formed with people just getting along with their culture, you know. Like Jesus, he just negotiated with the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and everybody found their place. Everybody had a part of the a part of the pie. And the disciples, when they followed Jesus, they just kind of continued working on that neutral, peaceful attitude. You know, I'm making fun of that because Jesus got killed by the religious leaders, and then the apostles. All of them were martyred or persecuted at some level. The early church went through large periods of 10 major persecutions because they aren't just you know, going neutral. They're, they're causing conflict, not by going off and burning buildings, but by holding to the truth, by proclaiming the truth. Well, Jude is saying it's time to start contending for the faith. Jude has two assignments for his, his readers, point seven. To defend the faith, number one, and if we say, what what am I saying? One, you need to defend the faith. And number two, do not be deceived. Because as you're defending the faith, there's also an opportunity to be deceived, even in the process of defending the faith. I mean, you can become very apologetic, become very aggressive, and in your process of thinking you're defending the faith, go off. It's not a matter of just, is it A or B? It's A. Okay, But as you go to A, then there's going to be A and sub-A. It's like there's always decisions made all the way as you continue to grow in the faith. Like, we're going to start living morally. Okay, so we're going to make a list, and these are all the moral things we do. Wait, 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 that sounds very legalistic. It's like you've got to have, grow in faith. We're going to follow the Spirit. Follow the Spirit? Oh, okay, let's all get very spiritual. Well, no, you've got to follow the Spirit and stay in the truth. Every, even at the highest level of Christianity, wherever you're at, there's decisions to be made that you could be making an error in some decision as you go through as you contend for the faith and that's the danger of being a bible teacher is you're constantly explaining and at some point you're going to be right correct excellent good point it's like no and that's where it's like that's why i would appreciate a little grace because eventually i'm going to say something you're going to be like that's good excellent good it's like and if you're like ah heretic heretic and then everybody runs out it's like and there's a place to do that too okay Okay, there's uh, that verse 3. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about the common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend, to agonize, to get into the wrestling match, to get into the debate for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. It's been delivered once for all. I'm not discovering it today. If I'm discovering the faith today while we're studying here, Mm, that's not good. It was once for all delivered. I should be explaining what was once for all delivered. That's what's happening here. They're re-explaining it, going this way, discovering new things. No, it was once for all. You've already got the faith. Contend for it. Okay, and here's now the problem. That was the purpose of the letter. Now here comes the problem. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So he calls them, contrasting to saints, these are certain people. Certain people have come in, and right here, it says right here, I'll just do a quick write-down here, have crept in, and that is, again, that's exactly what it means, it's stealth. They've come in undetected, they're unnoticed. Now, if someone came in, uh, you know, think of your most ungodly type of person, and they came in and presented themselves as a Christian, you'd be like, okay, that person's clearly not a Christian, or they're clearly a deceiver. But these people have come in, and they're moving among them. They're like a spy. Now, be careful. Again, I, 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 there's, there's a place where we want to become, you know, condemn these people. But at the same time, there's room here that these people are in, and they do not know what they're miss, messing with. They've come in to join this community. They've come in to have some friends. They've come in because whatever the reason. They may not have come in with wrong motives. Now, Satan would have a wrong motive. They may have just come in for, in our modern age, they may have just come in for counseling. may have just come in for financial help. They may have just come in because we needed a place to have a funeral. And you guys all seem friendly. So they stayed around for the potato salad. And now they're in the, in the Sunday school room. It's like they didn't—they didn't come in with the intention. We're going to undermine this church. They just came in, even to themselves, just crept in. I mean, they just ended up in church. Now, again, there could be a, a, a wrong motivation. You do the same thing with a megachurch, especially if you want to have. You know, one of the important things about business is networking. Well, what a better place to network than in a megachurch and hand out your business cards? I mean, they're right there. There's three thousand people there every Sunday. Here, I'm going to get in the parking lot, parking ministry, and just hand out every, everybody gets a business card, as they help them park their car, or whatever it is. So there, you could come in with wrong intentions. But this is, again, crept in. It, whatever their intentions is, the people that Judas is writing to didn't notice it. They should be able to pick up now because look at what they're teaching. But they've, they've come in. Although I was very eager to write to you on bottom of page four. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Now, uh, we'll write long ago. We're going to talk about that. That's going to go one of two directions. You could go with your destined long ago, God God declared that these people are going to be born, they're going to be heretics, and they're going to burn in hell. I declared this, this is God's decree for these people. Uh, Okay, you can go with that if you want to. Or we're going to see the word also means wrote about wrote beforehand someone wrote about it beforehand it could be as simple as when jesus was teaching he says be careful there will be false shepherds among you or there may be a a, everyone that's in the flock may not be a sheep or it could be paul will refer to these things again in in ephesus saying after i leave leaders false leaders um, will arise among you and mislead the people So that was written about before in 30 A.D. when the Gospels were recorded. When Paul's writing in 55, 57 A.D., he's writing about these, and all of a sudden, here they are. They were written about beforehand. Jeremiah, Isaiah talked about this. It's it's all been going on. So it can be this God declared in eternity past. They're going to be born. They're going to be deceived. I'm going to burn them in hell. They're written about beforehand their condemnation. That could go well, especially if you want to build on that, you know, God called you at the beginning of the letter. Or they're just written about, meaning you knew there's false teachers coming. And if you can go to, remember, 2 Peter is, is virtually a copy of this in many cases, and he talks about uh, them being written about uh, beforehand, that they said they were coming. Okay, we'll talk about that when we get there. Okay, so uh, design, uh, designated for this condemnation, ungodly people. This is not describing them. They're ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So here's, here's, what the, here's what the problem. Here's what they have done. Basically, the problem is this. They've taken, and just exactly what I've been saying... They've taken grace. Now, you you should understand what grace is. You're, You're not deserving, but God offered Jesus Christ. You can come by faith to Christ. Your sins are washed away. You've now been joined to Christ in a covenant, like a marriage covenant. You are His, and now He's going to now transform you, conform you into His own image. By grace, you're being transformed into an image that can live with God for all of eternity. Wow, this is great. So then when you see darkness and death and chaos and sin, it's like, oh, that's just the opposite of where I want to go. Now, again, we all have a sin nature, but you do recognize, no, that's what I've been delivered from. That's not God's nature, and you, you may be tempted by it. You may dabble in it, but it's like your whole time, the Spirit of God is drawing you back. I've got to go this way. That's the grace of God. You've been called, you've been saved. You're, 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 listen, we're living among sin. You're going to smell it. You're going to see it. You're going to be tempted by it the disciples were Paul was. But it's like, no, that's not what I am. I've been saved by grace, and I'm going this way. Now, these people, they don't understand that. They've never been saved. They just know this life of sin. And now they're in the community somehow. And it's like, how do I explain these things? Well, you say grace, we've been forgiven. They turn this into uh, a license. It's a freedom. You're free to sin. Sin freely. doesn't count. It's like, and now they build up on this, and again, you could get into, in this point right here, you could get into trying to establish who these people were. It's hard. The Gnostics are going to come after this. And they're developing, of course. It's Greek philosophy mixed with Christianity. But the Gnostics, they were, well, uh, very similar to what a lot of Christians are today. And be careful with this when I say this. That... The spiritual, anything that is spiritual is good, anything that is physical is bad. Now, you can see this in uh, several different levels. Anything that is spiritual is good, like if uh you hear a voice from God, it must be good, or I want to become more spiritual and and you're now you know, I, I am pursuing a, a spiritual being appeared to me. Oh, it must be good because it was spiritual. It's, it's supernatural. Maybe we've got to tap into the subconscious and find out some beings that are out there that we could lead us into the light, you know? Like, listen to some Leonard Skinner or... Uh, uh, what am I thinking of? Uh, Stairway to Heaven. That's not in Leonard Skinner. Help me out. Stairway to Heaven. Right. Okay, you get, this is your generation. Not Black Sabbath. I can't even think of the name. Oh, gosh. Led Zeppelin. Thank you. Anyway, you know, on the stairway, some spiritual being, it must be, and she's buying a stairway. It must be good because it's spiritual. Well, no. No, spiritual does not equal good. Spiritual can be demonic. Remember, we just read demonic spirits and deceiving spirits. It's like uh, spiritual is not good. You, physical is bad but at the same time uh physical uh can be god created to be good and so what will happen here is these people will talk about taking going off into they're saved by grace but the the physical doesn't matter god has discount because god is you know the verse god is spirit so anything that is of the body this is gnosticism Doesn't matter. In fact, you can demonstrate how spiritual you are and how saved you are. I'm not sure, I don't think these guys were that far yet uh, historically, but Gnosticism is going to get to place. You can demonstrate how spiritual, it's called, uh, not asceticism, antinomianism is where you're going to get, the more you sin, the more you demonstrate the glory of God. Paul Paul talks about that. He says, we're being accused, when he writes the Romans, of that that, that if the more you sin, the more grace you receive. Because if grace is poured out on, on sinning, the more you sin, the more spiritual you become. Now, you think that would preach? Yeah, it was very popular. And the Gnostics, there's a time in church history, second century. that's why uh, Ignatius, And some of John's disciples really came against it. We still have the writings against Gnosticism because it was sweeping through the churches where the body doesn't count. It's bad, it's evil. God's going to get rid of it. So whatever you do in the body doesn't count. It's the spiritual side of things. So anyway, that's where this is heading right here. Uh, They have perverted the grace of our God into sensuality. They take, this is God's grace. What does God's grace mean? It means you can be sensual. They take the, the message of grace. What does it mean? We, can, we don't need to get out of sin. We can enjoy sin and not be accountable for it. Here we go. Turn to page five, and there on the top of the page, you've got the Greek. The very first word there is in a box. That is where it says, came in stealthily or came in unnoticed. The word underlined is the word having been designated. We're going to talk about that. And then the word taunt or the, that article is going to be important. Here we go down in the notes. This is the issue that Jude is addressing in the letter. False teachers are attacking and confusing the message of the great common salvation. Instead of talking about salvation, Jude needs to defend the message of that salvation. Verse 3, Jude addressed the saints. Verse 4, he introduces the adversary, and here they are. There are certain people, and they're described this way. They've crept in. Here's your definition of these people. They've crept in unnoticed. Uh, Their condemnation was designated long ago. Now, if that's from eternity past, that's true in a sense. Or if it was announced in some kind of being written about already, these people are coming. They're ungodly people. They pervert the grace of God into sensuality. And here's a doctrinal error. They deny our Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So there's your moral decline, and there is the doctrinal error right there. So that describes these people. Here's the word crept in unnoticed, or secretly slipped in. You can see it in the Greek there. It means to cr- crept in unawares. The Greek word perisudo means to settle in alongside. That, the word simply means para, and then aisteo. Para means from close beside, and then aisto means just come beside, and then just kind of settle in it's kind of like you know i know, merging on traffic you come in on the on the on the entrance ramp you come in beside and then pretty soon you just merge in the traffic and you're in the flow that's what the word means they've come in they've went they went to the the, the 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 outreach they they ate some potato salad now they're sitting at the table and now they're assigned a sunday school classroom it's like and now they're part of the church and now they're explaining the grace of god which means you're free to sin it's like well, but they, I, I met them at, I, I ate potato salad with them. I, I met them at, they've got a cross necklace on. It's like, okay, they've come in alongside. Now, again, are, do they have immoral, are they coming in to corrupt the church? Maybe so. Or are they just coming in unaware even to themselves what they're doing? They may, there are, again, you could decide whichever way you want to go. But as far as you being to identify them, you're going to be able to see what they're doing and preaching. Uh, Point B, this word is used to refer to individuals who enter into the group appearing to be true Christians, but in their hearts. and This is important, in their hearts, meaning their worldview or their intentions, their belief system, their priorities. The reality is they oppose the faith. They oppose the Christian doctrine of salvation by faith and growing in Christ. They may not understand why, they just don't understand it. Paul uses this same word, To identify the Judaizers. You remember the Judaizers in Galatians 2, verses 4 through 5. Here's the verse, I've got it underlined. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we had in Christ. So it's used two times. False brothers have secretly slipped in. These were good, in Galatians, they are good religious People. Some of them were Jews. Some of them were Gentiles who had conformed, converted to Judaism. And they came into the Christian church and began to say, well, are you going to believe the whole Bible? What about circumcision? What about the dietary laws? It's like, oh, yeah. And they're leading the church. They're making, and it says, as you remember the story, Paul at one time when he got back from his first missionary trip, had to address Peter in front of them all because Peter had bought into it. It's like, that's true. we got to accept the whole gospel. This is after Peter had the vision of the sheep being let down, eat these animals, don't call unclean what I've called clean. Peter gets called into the front office of the church in Jerusalem, got chewed out. He explained. They go, well, we got to go with what the Spirit did. And they all agree that now, a few weeks later, a few months later, Paul's, Peter's right back to like, yeah, we better follow the law of Moses. I, Peter, I mean... If I'd had a vision of the sheep being let down, if I'd gone to Cornelius' house, if I'd already defended the gospel in front of the Jerusalem consul, I would have made that mistake. Well, Peter did. He, he, he got pulled into these people, that secret brothers that had come in. They, they, they were just trying to do the right thing. But he used that same word. Uh, and I think there's another verse there also. Uh, yeah, but there's another verse. You can see it in Romans chapter 5, verse 20. We talked about that. But that is, they've come in secretly alongside. Uh, now we're talking about the word where we talk about it, they are destined for this. They, they secretly have come in alongside, not knowing why or who they are. Point five, the word for, uh, well, let me read it here in the, in the English Standard Version so I read it correctly. For certain people who have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Long ago, designated for this condemnation. That is the English Standard Version or translation of this word right here pro neo. Okay, pro means before. The, this word is based on this, before. And the next word is grapho, which means, you can figure that out, grapho, to write. To write before. It means to write before. Now, was it written before? In the, in, in, in the decrees of God before creation, these guys were written before? Or was it written before in the gospel account or in Paul's letters or in other communications? Again, you could go either way you want to. But they were written before. Could mean God wrote of their eternal destiny before time began. It could mean someone wrote about these men, their actions and their fate, predicting people like this would appear among believers. I could read Isaiah chapter 8, I, I, verse nineteen through twenty-two. I could read Jeremiah five, verse thirteen through fourteen, in Matthew seven, verse fifteen. Uh, I'm going to at least read that one because this would be. It. I, I I like this idea because it puts in it, meaning. You were already in, in introducing you to the gospel. We already told you not only that you would face persecution and hardship, that it wasn't going to be an easy road, but you're already told that you would face some kind of har- or You'd face some kind of false teaching. Matthew chapter seven chapter 7, verse 15, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, this is Jesus in Matthew, so this would be in Matthew, all the Gospels would have something like this, John's got a whole chapter on it, the false shepherd, John chapter 10, Matthew 7, verse 15, watch out for false prophets, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. That's exactly what Judas doing. He's recognizing their fruit. This is what they are doing. That's not right. That's not the, they taint the grace of God and turn it into this sensual self indulgence. Then uh, he goes on the next verse of there is nineteen uh, no excuse me uh, twenty one through twenty two. Uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. So that could be an example of it being written before because it was, and I've got other places I've got written down there. Uh, great places: Acts point four on page six, Acts twenty verse twenty nine through thirty. I've got it written on the notes. Paul, I've already referred to it. Paul says, I know that after my departure, he's talking to the church in Ephesus, when I leave, he's going to sail across the Mediterranean Sea to Jerusalem, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, or rise up, well, it says, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them paul's talking to the not the church he's talking to the elders the leaders of the church he says when i leave there's going to be some among you some of you standing here he could be looking him in the eye saying some of you and he is talking to to the group some of you when i leave from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them and so these are an example of they were written beforehand we can see that right there now the sin of these creepers oh my goodness this is the best part of the day and we're at 57 oh looks like we got some notes ready for next week but here point six the sin of we'll do this next week the sin of these creepers i call them creepers because they've crept in is identified in three ways number a there uh they're ungodly ones means unpious ungodly irreverent point b they change the grace of God into sensuality. That's the words, translated words. Changing the grace of God into sensuality. Changing is mean, it means to transfer to change. I transfer from two words, meta and tithemi, which means along to place along. You know, they, they're going to change it. Uh, it's used in Acts. We can see it, the several verses there. We'll clean that up next week. And they change it into uh, point two on page seven. The deliverance from sin, death, destruction, and damnation, grace, was understood to mean that they were free to enjoy, partake, exist in the temporal, fleshly pleasures and self-centered gratifications of lust, wickedness, and self, self-will. So they changed the grace, which is deliverance from sin, into justification for continuing in sensuality. And that's their doctrine. That is what they're doing. And people are getting confused. So so much so that Judas writing this letter, Peter imitates it. Writes very similar things because what it's in Second Peter, because what has taken place. The gospel has been preached. People have come to the faith, but others have taken that gospel, twisted it around, like Paul says, twist the words and moved it back into sensuality. You're supposed to be saved by grace and grow in goodness and light. You've been saved. You're no longer responsible for sin. So just go ahead and go right back into it. That's basically what's taken place. Um. And we'll talk about that next. And point C at the bottom, we'll talk about this next week, um, denying. This is what they deny. That their sin is they've twisted the grace into sensuality. They deny only Master, Lord, Jesus Christ. So they're denying the only one, Lord, the word master, I'll talk about it more next week, it is a person in authority exercising complete jurisdiction like legal. The only legal judge and Lord is master, refers to a person who has absolute ownership. So master and Lord can be used as synonyms, but in, the con- in, in their meaning, master refers to legal, Lord refers to ownership. And so he is the only legal guardian or only legal cause. He's the only owner and he is jesus which is the man and he is the christ which is the anointed one which means he's going to rule god's kingdom they're denying the only true judge the only true owner the man who died to save you out of god's judgment and bring you into the anointed one's kingdom they're denying that rushing everything right back to this age right here into have your best life now in this age right here denying all those things and again I've got some things written there on the back of of page 8 there. Uh, I'll read this right here. Uh, The combination of monos, despotes, kurios, jesus, christos. The physical man, Jesus, is the only true master of legal jurisdiction who has absolute ownership of everything because he is the anointed one of God who was sent to redeem from death, destruction, sin, and damnation all he had previously created by sacrificing himself in order to shed his blood. And then they deny that and all the repercussions of that. Now, again, you can see the, the great salvation we have or the need to contend for that great salvation. Because once you lose that, you're right back into just mankind's philosophy. I've got to pray, and we'll pick this up next week and maybe make some more progress. Father, I do thank you for the chance to look into these things. We thank you for your word. We ask that we would handle it diligently, that we'd be those that promote the truth and not fall away into Uh, apostasy. Father, we ask that we again may proclaim the truth and live the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Thank you for being here.